Hi everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the 5 Tool Podcast with Seamus and the Butcher. I'm the Butcher and my co-host Seamus is here. Seamus, say hi to the people. Hi people. We are in the same room together today once again. We had a little uh, problem on Thursday. I ended up bringing you guys a podcast, a short little one on my by myself, just of some little, little update on the Angels series and looking ahead at the Dodgers series. And we're gonna we're gonna start there today, um, talking about last night's game. The Brewers got a win last night in, in Los Angeles, an eight, an eight to five win over the Dodgers. Um, Corbin Burns got the start, pitched four and a third, got roughed up a little bit. Nine hits, five earned runs. Two walks, only three strikeouts, and he gave up three dingers. He's leaving the game with a 10.05 ERA. But as I said on Thursday, Seamus, I don't, I'm not gonna invest too much in how Corbin Burns fared against this crazy good Dodgers lineup. I mean, you, you can't, you just got to be happy he got the start. He got the little more experience against a great hitting team under his belt. What do you think? Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think. You know, he is still, he's still learning. He's still, you know, honing his craft, so to speak. And with a lineup as dynamic and as powerful as the Dodgers are, um, those guys, Bellinger especially, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna launch balls. And they're going to hit home runs at home. So I, I don't think it was a outright stellar performance, but I I think he, he had a decent game. He it was a it was a decent outing and also as we've been saying with these young guys, it's gonna come. So all in all I think it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I'm I'm happy he got to pitch he they left him in after he got beat up a little bit. These these games, I mean, they're about experience for for the likes of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. And I know I, I was a little I've been a little hard on Freddie Peralta. It's just I don't see in Freddie Peralta what I see in Corbin Burns, and I see a little more poise, composure, control out of out of Corbin Burns. And I, I trust him a little more against teams like this. I think it's a little more damage control having him throw against the Dodgers than say say Freddie Peralta. And these games are huge for experience. Um, one thing, I, another thing I want to bring up about the pitching is um, the bullpen in the last two games against two fairly good lineups, especially the Dodgers. They they have now had pitched six consecutive shutout innings, six strikeouts, two walks in that span. We've, I mean, in these in these two games, we've seen it, Matt Albers, Fat Matt, Claudio. We've seen Junior Guerra, Josh Hader. We've seen Wilson, and going back to uh, to the. Um, the game against the the Angels, I mean, it was Gare and Claudio again, as well as Jacob Barnes, and that's that's a that's a good look because we're going to be depending on this bullpen throughout this entire season, just like we did last year. And there's a lot of names that we're not too comfortable or too acquainted with, as we were with last year in the bullpen. So to see them pitch six consecutive shutout innings against teams that know how to hit, it's a bright spot. What do you think, Seamus? There again, I agree with you. You and I, you and I talked a couple of days ago over the phone about the pitching. Just the pitching overall with the Brewers, and this is going to be the this is the first year that from the start of the season we're going with the outgetter mentality instead of the the starters mentality. So there there's going to be more use of of the bullpen right out of the gate. I I think seeing that you can get 
six straight innings of scoreless ball out of that many arms, I think that bodes well for going the length of, of 162 games. Now, at some point, obviously, they're gonna, some guys are going to need a little bit of an extended rest, but then you look into what we've got going in the minor league system, and, and there'll be guys that'll be called up and guys that'll be sent down to give everybody the rest they need. But seeing what we have the last six innings is, I think that, that should be looked at as a real bright spot for the pitching, given that the pitching has been a little bit of whether it's a big deal or not, it's been a bit of a concern. Definitely, and and in those six consecutive innings, only one and a third of that was attributed to Josh Hader. And you mentioned the rest, and he's been resting since Sunday, right? It was his first first appearance since that two and two thirds he pitched on Sunday. I believe you're right. So I mean, for the bullpen to to be able to carry the team over for Hader to get four days rest in between appearances is huge. And we should focus on Josh Hader last night. When they brought him in, I it was real. It was really tense. I remember watching. I was I was at an Applebee's bar watching part of it. When, when thinking Hader's coming in, it seems a little early. You saw him warming up. Get a get a little worried. And why why am I worried about Hader? Because we were facing, <coughs> facing the Dodgers. He, Hader's been yet to get lit up. Hader would have an ERA right now if it weren't for Lorenzo Cain on opening day. And I think if. If Lorenzo Cain didn't save that home run from Josh Hader, it might have shook a little confidence and he wouldn't be coming out the way he did. But last night, I don't know if it's that he was having a hard... It looked like he was having a hard time controlling that high four-seam fastball that he's been so successful with. They were they were going a little high. Grandal was definitely get, get on his feet to get a couple of them. And I don't know if he was just trying to fool the guys with that and trying to get them to swing because guys had been swinging at those all year. I mean, look at that immaculate inning. But the Dodgers weren't falling for it, and he got the he got the bases loaded on him. He loaded he got the load, he loaded the bases, and he got out of it. Thank God. But it could it get really close to getting ugly. What did you think about Hater's appearance last night? Oh, it it was it was a good it was a it was a good inning. But you're right. Um, I think I think it's a combination of he is trying he's deliberately trying to go high to get him to chase. But I do think a couple of them got away from him a little bit. Um, I mean, we've seen enough of Hader over the start of this season and last season to know that he has really good command of his location. Um, There aren't too many that he throws that don't go where he wants them to go. So I think some of that, it. I'm not sure what the game time temperature was yesterday. I'm not sure toward the end of the game. I, I don't know may, you know, if it got humid. And, it was a little chillier, actually. Um, I don't know if that might have created a little bit of moisture that, you know, affected his grip. Um, I, don't think those, I don't think those were intentionally as high as they ended up. <laughs> but, no, I mean, he's, he's just like last year. Last year it was a little better for him. He, he was able to... Share what the load that he carried with Kniebel and Jeffress right now. He's carrying the the load. He is the the guy that <clears throat> when you get to the end of the game, we know he is the guy that's going to be be called on. Um, and so far this year, with Kniebel being out and Jeffress being down in AAA working his way back, I think he's 
he's really showing us what a a solid, confident pitcher can do. I I, I don't really have too many problems with his outing last night. Yeah, neither do I. I see. I don't know if it's his, if it's just his intensity on the mound, or the fact that the gift of hindsight, knowing that we don't have Canable and Jeffers to fall back on, it's just every time Hater's making an appearance, it's really kind of worrying me. And I also worry, and I think it might just because of his his personality and his and his intensity on the mound that I worry that the, the second he does get lit up or the second he does give up that home run, that it's going to shake his confidence and it's going to shake the whole foundation that he's built. It's just every time he makes an appearance, it kind of worries me. And and he threw a lot of pitches last night in that one and a third. And I think that was that's what I think we were up to about thirty four when Council finally pulled him. And I mean that's just proof that even Council was kind of worried that he he took out Hater and put in Alex Wilson. We don't want to. You know, Hater is our biggest asset. I mean you can you can say it's Christian Yelich. I mean of course he's an MVP. You can you can say it's Lorenzo Cain. But Hater is such an asset, and they use him in such a specific role, and it's such a such a role that's so important. You bring him in in, in, in close games that you're leading, and you lose that, and it's you're losing a big part of this team. And I think Josh Hader might be the most important asset that Craig Council and the Brewers have. Do you agree or do you disagree? Um, I think he's vital. I think he is important. If if he's the most important, I'm not sure. I think he's the most important arm at Council's disposal. Um, <clears throat> but I, I also, I, I, I see where you're coming from and you're concerned, Butch, about, you know, is the stress going to end up being too much? I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think... Hater has shown that he has the tenacity that is required for him to do what he does. I think he has developed enough confidence over the last full season plus a handful of games that if he has a bad outing, and let's be realistic, you know, every closer has a bad outing. Um, I don't think it's really going to knock him too far down, I think. I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. I do have the utmost faith in Josh Hader. I think he's going to be a very, very. He's going to be a name that the baseball world is going to be following for at least the next six to seven years very closely because I think he's going to be that kind of dominant. But it, I think, it, yeah, I guess it is kind of just his intensity because you see that he lives and dies on every pitch the kind of the same way I do. It's must-see TV when he's pitching there. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not just his the way he's pitching and the way he's fooling guys and the way they can't see the ball against him. But it's like when you see he, he's got a 2-2 count and the guy follows the ball off, you see how, like, Hater's fucking pissed. He's like, I wanted to get him that time, you know? Yes. It's, it's like it, it makes me, it puts me in that in that frame. Like, I'm, I get so emotional and... <laughs> passionate watching this guy pitch it's like when he gets just like when Aaron Rodgers gets mad it's like yeah you're right Rodgers I'm mad too <laughs> like why aren't you open you know what I mean it's just it's fun fucking baseball to watch and it's just it's just good and I, do you have anything else to say about Josh Hader I, I think I think we've covered Hader pretty well like I said I he's he he's he knows what he's he knows what he signed up for you know that 
that position, that closer's mentality, that's a special kind of pitcher. You know, you got to be a special kind of guy to tow the rubber every five days. But he knows what he signed up for. I, I just, I, I don't think I'm as worried as, as you say that occasionally you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's the fun of baseball. It's it's the it's the, the ups and downs, the roller coasters. I just want to bring up something about Hater real quick, just a side note, because not many people say this anymore, but people are always like, you used to always be like, oh, why isn't Hater a starter? Why didn't they keep him as a starter? And I'm just going to bring up the point. The reason that Josh Hader's not starting is because he can be utilized more and more effectively in the role that he's being used. He can pitch more games, and that is why Josh Hader is, is a relief pitcher. You agree? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, to, just a, just a side note about last night's game as well. The Brewers only recorded two walks, but they only recorded seven strikeouts, and it kind of gives you both sides of the picture there because they're 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 not striking out a whole lot this year, which is amazing because in sixteen and seventeen we had the most strikeouts of any teams in history, and we're not walking a whole lot. But neither were the Dodgers, and it's just it it's, it just shows that we are watching two. Excellent teams against one another. Like here, we're watching two teams that hit. They don't strike out a bunch. Uh, the Brewers pitchers only. I mean, the, the Dodgers only struck out five times yesterday themselves. Brewers seven. That's that's not a lot of strikeouts for both teams in a game. No, that's that's elite versus elite. Yeah, we are seeing the two. I'd say best lineups in Major League Baseball going against each other this weekend, or at least in the National League. Uh, definitely in the National League. It is giving. It's and I want to say. I mean, we. We started the season off against the Redbirds, then we went against the Cubs, then we got a pretty fucking fun series against the Angels, and now the Dodgers. Three of these four first series, it's all a playoff atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Even even Cincinnati, the series... Oh, Cincinnati, I'm sorry. The series down in Cincinnati, it, yeah, it was against the Reds, and the Reds haven't been very relevant the last couple of years. They've, they've been kind of floating at the bottom of the division, but... Even even that series was exciting to watch. Yeah, um, I I think you're right. the The entire start of the season has, and and I don't know if it's because we as fans are carrying over the excitement from from last year, but you know it. There's just there's something, the atmosphere around Brewers baseball. Whether whether you're listening to it on the radio, whether you're watching it on TV, whether you're getting to the ballpark, um, there's just something that that grabs you as soon as you turn the dial or change the channel or walk through the turnstile. Mm-hmm. That this time, even last year, it wasn't there. Right. There's so much to tune in for when Christian Yelich is up the bat. You want to watch when Chris, when Kane's up the bat. You want to watch when Hater's pitching. You want to watch. You know, there's so many little storylines. They make it fun to watch Brewers baseball, and it's, it's nice as a Brewers fan. Like you, you've been seeing this for the last nineteen years as a Red, well, fifteen years as a Red Sox fan. You get one hundred sixty-two games of quality baseball a year. We didn't always get that as Brewers fans. We had a bad division for a long time. We had bad teams, and it's like when you tune in, you're not watching the best of the best. Now we get to tune in, and we get to watch the best of the best almost every game. Yeah, and it, it is it is really exciting. I mean, I one of the things I know you and I talked about on the phone the other day was you've got you had a hundred and sixty two game season. You're gonna have sixty wins, you're gonna have sixty losses. And it's what you do with the remaining games that's important. And as Brewers fans, 
we always looked at that those remaining games as we're not even going to get half of them. You know, we'll be lucky if maybe we can get a third of them. And and now, just based on the potency of the lineup, just based on <clears throat> the how the how the bullpen has been built, um, the mentality of outgetters over starters. You know, it's you you look at that that remaining chunk of ball games and it doesn't matter if it's in the division it doesn't matter if it's inside the national league it doesn't matter if it's interleague now brewers fans have this confidence and belief that they didn't have before that we can go toe to toe with anybody and you know last year the juggernaut that was my my beloved Red Sox, um, and as well as the Brewers did last year. Do I think last year we could have gone toe to toe with Boston? I don't think so. You know, if I'm being a realist, and if you fans are realists, you know the answer to that is no. No. But right now, and and maybe part of it is because the Red Sox are struggling, call it a World Series hangover, whatever you want to call it. They're still drunk. They're they're not playing very well right now, and if if the Brewers matched up against the AL East this year, I I believe the Brewers would beat the Red Sox in a three game series. I agree. I mean, especially just based on what we've seen so far, I, th- I think the Brewers are a more complete team with less question marks than the, than the Boston Red Sox right now. I don't know if that's still going to be the same come the All Star break. I think if it if the Sox turn it around come the All-Star break, that, I think, would be more of an exciting series than last year's World Series matchup was. Agreed. Last year's World Series was pretty good considering it only won five, even though it only won five games. Yeah, I just, right now, I just, I look at the way the Brewers are playing. um, You can match the Brewers up with any team throughout baseball. Yeah. They, they They can compete against all 29 other Ball clubs, I I agree, and we're showing it right now against the Dodgers. I I'd say the Dodgers and Brewers are both top four teams in baseball. I mean, you take the top two National League teams, I'd say it's those two. You take the top two AL teams right now, Tampa Bay. I don't know. I mean, and Seattle. Seattle. We could beat Seattle. Don't don't people. I'm going to tell you just like I've been telling Seamus. Don't be fooled by the Mariners. I just wait. Just watch them. They're not. I told you they're not going to win their division, but they're going to make that division exciting. Oh yeah, it is an exciting division. <clears throat> I mean, it's nice to see them playing good ball. Um, so next, we're gonna we're gonna take it around the league. We're gonna we're gonna look around the league at different players that um, that I think I think that not a lot of people not a lot of people know are are raking right now. So we're gonna. I want to first focus on the fact that about twenty minutes ago. Just before we started recording this podcast, Chris Davis from the, the Baltimore Orioles got a hit. He did. Yeah, Chris Davis got his hit. Well done, sir. First of the season. Um, I think it, we were at, what, 50? We're in the 50s right now for plate appearances that he went without a hit, correct? Something like that, yeah. 
I so. think it was like 53 or 54 when I checked last night. So. so Chris Davis, right now the most improved player in baseball. Um, so next, like I said, we're going to go on the players to watch. Um, I'm going to bring up first for the White Sox, Tim Anderson. Um, he's batting 488 on the year so far. He's got two dingers, six ribbies, five stolen... Oh, five strikeouts, I'm sorry. I thought those stolen bases. I don't think he steal bases. He's a big boy. He's got a 1.183 OPS. The White Sox are a fun, young team. They're not going to win a shitload of ballgames this year, but keep an eye on the White Sox. They got Eloy Jimenez, this Tim Anderson, a lot of young stars. They're going to be good in a couple years, and it's going to be fun watching, if the Cubs are still relatively good, watching who becomes the... The, 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 the toast of Chicago. The toast of Chicago. Um, you want to bring up Grandal? Uh, I I have I have no problems talking about I have no problems talking about Yasmani Grandal the Yasmanian devil that's why you got that little glip in there um he's got 39 plate appearances so far he's he's scored 10 runs he's got 15 hits he's he's got four four jacks eight ribbies He's str- he's only struck out nine times. Um, he's got a slash line of three eighty five, four forty four, and seven eighteen. Um, there isn't much more you can say about Grandal. I mean, he's you know we we've talked about this before that there was so much speculation. Why are we getting Grandal? Why are we throwing eighteen mil plus at Grandal? He he can't hold on to the ball behind the plate. And and you're starting to see now the way that he's working with the rotation that, you know, he he had a bad October. Um, he had a bad postseason behind the plate defensively. But if you look, his swing last night on his home run, mm. he knew as soon as contact was made that that ball was leaving the yard and therefore, when you watched his follow-through, it was just a quick follow-through. He couldn't get out of the batter's box to round those bases fast mm. enough. He knew it was gone. He was going to enjoy every single minute of it. Because not only was that his fourth dinger of the year, it was a home run against his former club that did not think he was good enough to hold on to in their park. He walked into their home and pissed on their rug last night. Three for four in his in his performance last night. I I was happy with Grandal because as a fan of, of the game, I've watched what he's what his production has been. And you know his his last handful of games is that's the Grandal that Brewers fans that's what you guys are gonna get used to seeing. And he's just such a fun player. And and to see him now hitting his stride and, and, and finding his form in a Brewer uniform is absolutely fantastic and exciting. Yeah, I think it's just his face that people don't like. I, it, he's a great player. He's fun to watch. He's exciting. And I think there's it's just his face. He's kind of got an unlikable face. Not He's not ugly. He's got a beautiful wife. He's, he's a handsome handsome guy. I think he's just got an ugly, not an ugly face, but the kind of face you just don't really like. And I think He's got an arrogant face. An arrogant face. And, it, and, and, and it, it is. I will, I will be the first one to admit that when we were at FanFest and I, I stood in line to, to welcome 
Yasmani Grandal to the Brewers and to Milwaukee, and I went up there and I got a look at him, and I was just like, God, he looks so arrogant. Yeah. But in an interview, very likable. Face-to-face, one-on-one, just to a fan, very likable. His pregame interview last night, he got his NLCS championship ring. Bling, bling. And he looked straight at the camera and he said, I've got two of these. These don't mean nothing. Nothing. He said, the ring I want is the next one that comes after this. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that we want on our team. He, he, he got hardware last year. He got the brass ring last year. He was, he, it was handed to him last night, and he looked at it and went, I already got Who cares about this? He's in it for the long haul. He's just, again, I can't say enough. Pull the Tom Brady. What's your favorite ring? The next one. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I, we're all warming up to Grundal. We're going to see a lot of jerseys in the in the, in, in Miller Park. Number 10, dude. That was my number as, a, as an athlete growing up. I think Grundal took it because of you, didn't he? We don't want to make that too common knowledge. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll keep it, we'll keep that on the down low. We don't want we don't want people buying Carroll jerseys. Um, but yeah, we're going to see a lot of tens sitting at Ampham Field by the end of next season. Will you stop doing that? Had to. Yes, he has mighty Grundal raking. Also around the league, we're going to focus on a guy that we're facing right now. I think this guy is on such a heater. He's on an MVP pace right now. I realize we're all watching Christian Yelich do amazing things, but this motherfucking Cody Bellinger is on a heater. He's batting 417, eight dingers, 21 rabies, two, two strikeouts, two strikeouts. No, five stolen bases. Five, two stolen bases. I'm an idiot. And he's 1378 is his OPS. Cody Bellinger on a goddamn tear, and you can see it in his plate appearances against the Brewers. He's seeing every ball, and he's just waiting for his pitch. You're killing me, Smalls! Yeah, he's killing us. Luckily, we got around him. The last player I want to focus on, and it is so good to see this guy tearing it up out in that, out in that rainy, rainy West Coast. Domingo Santana. Show Mingo! Batting 358. Four long balls, one of them a grand slam. 22 RBIs. Three stolen bases, a 10-16 OPS. Domingo Santana is showing up the fucking AL right now. And he's showing all everybody that was doubting him, saying he strikes out a lot, that he can't hang. That Domingo Santana is the fucking future of that Seattle Mariners team. What do you think? Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that the Brewers organization held on to him for as long as we did before dealing him. He was the he was the chess piece that Sling and Stearns did not want to move. Oh. He wanted a he wanted to find a spot for Santana to, to to be able to play in the show every day, and it just it ended up that. There wasn't any room, and, and, and David Stearns held on to him for as long as possible. He sent him over. Part of me, and, and we're going to see this, we're going to see evidence of this this year with how, just based on how well he's already performing. We're going, as fans of the Brewers, we are going to end up looking at this deal, and you're going to hear a lot of people say, we did not get enough back. Correct. For, we gave him to Seattle for a song. 
And they're going to take advantage. And he's going to take advantage. He knows, he walks into T-Mobile Park, he walks into that clubhouse, and he knows his name is on that batting, batting order, that lineup card, every day. He is not moving. He's going to end up having pigeon shit on his shoulders. That's how much of a staple he's going to be in that outfield. Damn right. And I think a lot of, yeah, you mentioned the David Stearns and, and why and the fact that we held on to deal him. And I think what happened there was we were waiting. We knew, we all knew Domingo Santana was going to be a big league capable slugger. We all knew it was going to happen at some point. We, we saw glimpses of it in 2017 when he had 30 home runs. And then he kind of battled that in, injury last year, and then he got overshadowed. I think what happened was he didn't, he didn't get to that this point in time, so Stearns had to make a move to win now, get, get Yelich, get Kane, and, then, and, and keep Ryan Braun, and we had to move him, and we would have liked to get more value from him, but, but he didn't get enough under his belt before we dealt him. But we will be singing his praises in years to come and really wishing we would have gotten more for him. But I am not pissed about Ben Gamble because that guy is helping us out tremendously, pinch hitting and playing on, day, on off days for Ryan Braun. I'm your huckleberry. Exactly. Exactly. So, wasn't a terrible deal, but man, I'm I'm just happy for Domingo Santana, and I, I I wish the best for him. Oh yeah, and and he's going to thrive out in the Pacific Northwest. Definitely. Um, he, it wouldn't surprise me if if he ends up becoming the face of their franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really he's really something else, and I'm I'm so happy for him. And he's not striking out a lot either over there, which which was his big question mark that he had with us. He just needed time. They all need time. Oh, yeah. And you give him enough time, and you give him enough reps. Yes, reps. And and that was what he couldn't get in Milwaukee. Yeah. He couldn't get the at-bats he needed. He was, and the, the proof of that was when, when we would send him down, when he was at AAA, he was raking. He was hitting the cover off the ball down in AAA every time he was down there. And he just wasn't getting enough reps on big league arms. And the move out to Seattle, spring training out there, so far this season because he's in the lineup every day. He's getting those reps. He's getting those at-bats. And he is doing what we all knew that, we, we all knew that he could. Yeah, and we did even see some glimpses of it just before the postseason last year. Domingo Santana had a few more at-bats after uh, the rosters expanded. And he... There was a couple clutch moments that he really came through. I believe there was a three-run clutch home run in one of the games towards the end of the season. I mean, and every one of those games counted. So Domingo Santana was a—I'd say he was a big part of our playoff push last year. Oh, without a doubt, without so a doubt. We'll always be thankful to him for that, and we'll always be thankful for his service time in Milwaukee. Next, we're going to move on. We're just going to do a short one of these because I talked about him recently on the Thursday podcast. Just a quick mission statement. That's what we're going to be calling our our. Uh, are kind of like our farm report, but only when I'm talking about the, when we're talking about the missions primarily is our mission statement. They lost last night seven to three to the Nashville Sounds. Now they're right now former, former affiliate, affiliate, former yes, affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. They got their big ballpark, and, they, and then they said they didn't need us anymore. Yeah, I would love to go see a Brewers affiliate down it's in a Nashville. Beautiful ballpark. That'd have been something. Well, maybe it's for go. <coughs> um, Aaron Wilkerson last night six and a third. We gave up two hits, only gave up one walk, only struck out two, but he he had a good outing last night. You can't you can't be mad about that. Last night, um, or we'll, 
we'll talk about three players. Mauricio Dumani's at batting 314. Corey Ray in a pretty bad slump to start the year. Um, he's kind of like that Domingo Santana, like where, you know, he's got the potential, and we've seen a lot of the potential in the minors, but lately he's really been struggling. No, is this his first or second year at triple, at the AAA level? I believe he did quite a bit of time last year at the AAA level, last year with Colorado, I mean, the, the Sky Sox. He's been 125. Well, and the benefit that he has is... Time. Yeah, with <laughs> with the outfield that we have in place, He's got time. with Gamble being on the bench as as a as a late inning and a, a rest player, um, Spangenberg. Spangenberg does have a little bit of outfield experience. Thames has a little bit of outfield experience. So Perez. we we've got guys already on the twenty five man roster in the dugout every day that Corey Ray can take his time. Yeah, he can really find his footing, and I I think you're exactly right. I think this what this is is simply just a slump, but um, it is a little <coughs> frustrating because you want to see the young kids in a farm system do well. Um, but let's be honest, we're not not every single one of our farm system kids are going to be a Keston hero. Right. What we do need Corey Ray to do is get out of the slump, get up to about a two eighty, two ninety, and. Do that for a couple of months, so when we need to make that move for an arm at the end of the season, we can trade him. Custin here, batting two seventy three. He's just going to keep raking until we bring him up, and then we're going to see see the. T- I talk about him every podcast. We're seeing him sooner than later. We're going to see lightning in a bottle with that kid. Um, yeah, fucking for sure. So we don't need to talk about him now because we're going to be talking about him all season. Zach Brown, he pit, he had his first uh, um, AAA start on April eleventh, Thursday. He stopped seeing country music. Yes, he Zach Brown no longer a country singer. He um, joined the Brewers in the off season, Well, a couple of years ago, he's he's one, he's our top pitching prospect. Um. So he, in that in that in that game, the the missions lost six three to the to the Redbirds. He pitched six innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. He's coming out with a three ERA. Not a terrible start for Zach Brown. I mean, three earned runs in six innings. I just want to see the innings. That, that that innings pitch build up throughout the year. I want to see a lot of yeah, a lot of work and just see what we're what we're dealing with, and hopefully we can see him sooner than later. Just just like with what you said about about uh, Corey Ray, time, time. You give give these kids time. I mean, Keston Hira doesn't need much more time. I don't think there's much more you can but, do down there. But you you look at Corey Ray, Zach Brown, Mauricio Dubon. After Keston Hira, those three are the next three. I I think if if you're going to be honest and and look realistically at the pipeline, those three are the next three after Hira comes up. And the more time we can give them now, the more more production we're going to get out of them once they make it up to the show. Definitely. Definitely, I agree with you. I I didn't get to talk about Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, I wanted to bring him up in the in the initial segment of the podcast. There's no crying in baseball. I cried a little bit though. I I have been crying a little bit about Jesus. But I think I cried a little bit when I when he finally got that jack last night. He he it should have left the ballpark. That one was coming in. He got one off the bat that went off the wall and, and left center. Almost got his dinger, but he got a double. He's slugging. Is his first extra base hit of the season? Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, he but looked, he's struggling. It's five hits and forty at bats. 
excuse me. It's it's been it's been hard to watch. Um, but the one thing that I do want to bring up when it comes to Jesus is he didn't hit his first home run last season until April twenty something. Mm. So um, it it could be that he is maybe he is going to be annually a slower starter. Um, I I hope if that is the case, you know that that motor starts really cranking on him but you know it's he didn't have a he didn't have a quick start last year um he's he's struggling a bit right now and it, it, I just I look at his batting average and I cringe cuz right mm-hmm. now he's not even treading water 125 he's gasping for air and I just I I'm feeling for the kid He's he's got to find a way to turn it around. Yeah, he's on my chopping block today. Jesus Aguilar on my chopping block. I it's bringing up a lot of questions because mm, I like to chop wood. Yeah, chopping wood on Jesus Aguilar. It brings up a lot of questions because this this is the extent of good hitting we've seen from Jesus Aguilar. Spring training of last year. Spring training of the year before, and a couple good months last year. Now the Indians, we make a big deal about how at the beginning of last year, Jesus Aguilar wasn't even set to make the roster. Like he barely made the roster. Right. And maybe we're starting to see why the Cleveland Indians didn't want to have anything to do with them. I I don't want to jump to big conclusions, but now we're getting to the point where we've seen We've seen about as much bad as we've seen good from Jesus Aguilar at the plate. Well, and and I I, I think back to FanFest. And you and I didn't get a lot of time to interact with him, but from what we saw at FanFest, he plays foosball better than he's playing baseball. <laughs> I mean, that, that right now, that, that is a fact right now. He wasn't even playing foosball that good. And... I just I like the guy. He's he's our big lug in the clubhouse. He's he's that big teddy bear. Um he's a prince fielder type, he's a big poppy type. And I wanna see good things come from him, but I right now it's it's drawing water from stone. Yeah. And and we all we've all seen it when Jesus Aguilar is hitting and he's happy. The Brewers are in a better place. The clubhouse is happier. They're having a good time. Him and R.C. are joking around. R.C. is putting candy in his fucking helmet before he goes up to bat. He's, his personality is so, so good and, and so happy and positive. And when he's down, it's, I can imagine, like, if there's the big boy is sitting, in the, sitting at the end of the bench and he's not happy. I, 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 can, I can feel that tension if I was in the dugout, too. You know what I mean? And I wonder if the guys feel it. When, when, he, when he's playing good, Team's in a better mood. Oh, absolutely! It's it, it looks like it's much more fun in that dugout. Correct. And right now, with him struggling, there there's we're getting we're getting victories, we're getting W's. And there's still a lot of fun. Tr- but there's not Jesus Aguilar f- fun in the club it's, in the in the clubhouse right now. It's so much different when he's having fun. We saw that last year. There's really Brewers did. fun and there's Jesus fun, and right now we're <coughs> not seeing any Jesus fun. Yeah, he's who said he'll. We're all wishing for the best for him.
Next, we're going to move on to the big topic. I've been waiting for days to talk about this one. I'm very excited. Um, there's not a lot of people talking to about it in the mainstream media, from what I can tell. I'm not going to bring up the podcast that I listen to that haven't been talking about it, but I think it's a very important topic to talk about. And Chris, we, it came up this earlier this last week, April, well, it came out April 1st was the first day I believe I saw a report on it. And the big topic, Trump kills baseball. He kills the baseball deal with Cuba. And I don't follow politics too much. I didn't, I didn't vote in the 2016 election. It's not really something I want to get too much into, the, into this podcast this early on in our show. Someday maybe I want to get more and bring politics into it. But now Trump is fucking with baseball. Seamus, and that's a problem with me. I don't give a shit about any other politics. Any like, I mean, I do, but I don't want to talk about it. But when you mess with baseball, you mess with me. You mess with America's pastime. You mess with something that we all love. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little background. On please do by all means. The floor is yours, Butcher. Um, so so here's the whole thing. I'm gonna give you a little background on the initial deal that Trump has now put a stop to. The deal was something that Obama put in place in order to help Cuban baseball players, prospects, get to the United States to play baseball here with, with, without having to jump through so many hoops. Um, this is Richard Gonzalez of National Public Radio. He, this is a quote that I'm going to read from him that might give you a little, little background. Under the four-month-old agreement, a major league club seeking to sign certain Cuban players would have to pay a release fee 25% over the player's signing bonus to the Cuban Federation. The player would also have to pay Cuban income taxes on foreign earnings. So I mean, what, what a lot of what was happening, and this is, this is Jose Abreu had to do this, one of, one of the great ball players of our, of our generation for the White Sox. He is a player that literally had to be smuggled into the U.S. to, to play ball. And, and, and there's countless players that, that, that have had to have that since before this agreement that Obama put in place. Right, just if I may, to... To break that down a little bit more for, you, for those of you who might not be as well aware of this, it, it, it was never where a Cuban player could just come from Cuba, hop on a plane or a boat, and go to Miami. Correct. They would have to go from Cuba to Honduras or to the Dominican or to Jamaica, and uh, then they'd have, they'd, have to, they'd have to go through two or three different countries. A democratic nation. Before they could even think about coming over here, essentially, it's it's baseball's it's baseball's human trafficking. Exactly, and 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 MLB Vice President Michael Tevin said the same thing. He said we he when he was talking about the deal with the Obama deal that he put in place to aid the Cuban players. He said we stand by the goal of the agreement, which is to end human trafficking of baseball players from Cuba. They they don't. We as baseball fans, we benefit from all all players from all around the world coming here, from Japan, from Honduras, from from Venezuela, from from Cuba, like from Mexico. The game is better when we have the best players from around the world here. It makes it the best the, the best competition for us to watch on TV. And any kind of hoops that may be put in place, that's gonna fucking bother me. Well, and you look at baseball. As an entity, at one point was so forward thinking. Baseball addressed race relations before the country did. 
when when Branch Rickey decided he was going to bring up the first Negro player, and it ended up being Jackie Robinson. Um, we're getting close to Jackie Robinson Day. We'll be touching on that in a in another episode. But you know, we baseball was ahead of the curve. Um, they dipped a little bit in the late seventies, but they brought it back. You look at Frank Robinson was the first black manager. Um, and he was not only was he the first black American league manager, he was also the first black national league manager. Um, baseball has done so much for human equality and to see a deal like this get squashed. Baseball has never been one to take steps backwards. And yet, by, by Trump doing what he's doing, he's forcing baseball to go backwards here. And that's not going to benefit the game. It's certainly not going to benefit these, these kids that, that have this talent. It's, it's just... It's very unfortunate to see what this deal has the potential to do yeah. as far as negatives go. Yeah, so the Trump administration blocked the deal a few days after the Cuban Federation released the name of 34 players eligible to sign with Major League Baseball. And under the deal, um, players older than 25 with six years experience were eligible and younger players were required to get the Cuban Baseball Federation's blessing. Now, I don't think, it's, I don't think this has to do with race. I don't think this has to do... With much other than the fact that maybe Donald Trump and his administration aren't completely educated on this entire topic, um, what a senior administration official said about the reason that they, they, they ended this was they said the payments in the deal were illegal under the U.S. sanctions because the CFB is part of the Cuban government. I mean, it's still very communist over there. So baseball in Cuba is owned by the Cuban government. The players are owned by the Cuban government. And this deal that Obama put in place, um, and this was put in place to make it easier for these ballplayers to come here so they wouldn't have to jump through hoops and so that these players were not pawns of the Cuban government, like, I think I think that really Trump just wanted to, to put a stop to something that Barack Obama had put in place to, to kind of screw up his legacy or whatever. But the inter- interesting point is that the Obama administration initiated this policy, but it was finalized under the Trump administration because this has only been in place for four months. Correct. So that leads me, the baseball fan, to sit here and go, well, what the fuck is he doing? He's reneging on something that he thought was a good idea to begin with. Right. I just, I think that he's looking at this and he's seeing Cuba. He's he's thinking his, whatever his view on nationalism is and, and Cuba and the history and that it was a communist country under Castro. And, well, if it's, if, Whatever it is involving Cuba, I'm, I've got to be against it. I don't even think he knows what the hell he's doing. Neither do I. And, you know, th- there could be politics way deeper than this. There could be things going on with Cuba right now that we don't have any education on. We can only speak to what we've heard and what we know. And that's kind of the feeling I got, Seamus, is that it, it's, it's something to not only block something that Obama had put in place, but also to 
yeah, put a stop to any relations with Cuba. And and I think what probably happened, the reason the deal took so long to take effect, is I think a lot of times laws take several years to actually come into effect, and that he finally, like, it finally come, came into effect, which kind of finally brought it into Donald Trump's line of vision, and then he put a stop to it once he realized what was going on. Well, and I, I whatever, whatever the blow-up was regarding Venezuela, my guess is that probably might have had something to do with it, too. Perhaps. Um, looking at Venezuela and, and, and Cuba and similarities between the two, and, and like I said, he just thinks that this is this is something he's got to do to flex his might. Yeah, I, I agree. So, um, so yeah, the, the Cuba deal, I don't think it's going to stand. I don't think it's going to, I think this is all going to get resolved in time, hopefully sooner than later. I know that Major League Baseball is very upset about this. Um, Major League Baseball was in full full agreement with the terms that, that were put in place by this Obama deal. So I think Rob Manfred's going to do his due diligence to, to get this, this all cleared up. But I think the important thing to know about all this is that we can rest assured that in the United States, our players are not owned by the government like Cuba. Um, we, can, we can hang our hat on the fact that the United States doesn't own our ball players and that we have democracy. And that in this, in this specific sense... Um, democracy wins out. We get to watch our ball players come up. We get to develop them. We get to we get the best of the best, and we also get to bring players in from around the world. So, with that, um, I'm going to close today's show. Thank you, Seamus, for joining me today. Not a problem. The one constant through all the years, Ray. I just, I just think this here sums it up. Um, I know we were looking for something else. We couldn't find it. Sorry, folks. We're still kind of working through some of those glitches. But, you know, I I just think this this, this sport's way too important. And uh, I'm sorry. I, I kind of flubbed. So I apologize to you, Butcher, but uh, it's always a pleasure joining you. It's always a pleasure talking baseball. It's... It's always fun. Till next time.